Don Tapscott. And I'm Alex Tapscott. And this is What's on Tap Brunch. Actually, it's the last What's on Tap for the year 2021, a year I guess that we can happily say goodbye to. Thankfully, the virus is totally gone now and the world is getting back to normal. What's this? Omicron? Oh, no. Not again. Anyway, um, <laughs> it'll be okay. Um, how you doing, Alex? I'm, I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. I see that you've dressed up uh, in some sort of strange outfit. What's that thing hanging around your neck? Oh, oh this is called a tie. You may oh. remember when you were a younger man, I showed you how to tie one of these things and put it around your neck. It's for when you go to fancy uh, business affairs. I'm actually off to give a speech. It's a thing um, called the Real Estate Summit or something. It's for big uh, developers in Canada. A speech in Toronto, get that. And they've got like over a thousand uh, people. They're, these are senior executives from all the big construction development uh, uh, companies. And it turns out that Trivergence, right? Combination of AI machine learning, the internet of things, smart buildings and roads and so on, and blockchain is completely transforming uh, that industry. So I'm gonna share all of that uh, with them today. Not just talking about smart buildings, but the really big one is managing a super complicated construction project that has so many moving parts. It's full of contracts, it's full of that could be uh, automated. It's full of uh, paper and errors, and and it's all moving in a serial way. We're going to create a shared network state for the construction industry. So that's uh, uh, that's that one. I'm looking forward to hearing what I have to say. I'm also looking forward to hearing what you have to say. And you've been doing a lot of talking recently, um, and I think you've got more planned. Aren't you going to Korea at some point in the next couple of weeks? Yes, I am actually. I just finished this, uh, as many people know, this eight country tour. And with COVID, it's very different in all these countries. Um, I started off, there was almost 4,000 people in, uh, in Copenhagen, not a mask in the room. And then everyone stayed up past midnight parting to a band called DAD, which turns out is the ACDC of Denmark. Uh, man, were they ever loud too. I figured I'm going to get ear damage. <laughs> and if I ever get ill, it'll be because of that. But it was fine. And then on the other hand, I'm boarding Austrian Airlines a few days later. And I'm told I can't get on the plane because I don't have the right mask. You need a super heavy duty mask to get on that thing. So, And I got out of Austria just in time for, mm. uh, got out of Dodge before they shut the place down. That's a real shutdown. You can't leave your uh, uh, house. So it's very, we joke about this, but we shouldn't. It's very uneven. And um, boy, there's a long way to go to to uh, work through this. I'll tell you one thing it says to me is this idea of interdependence, you know, that no country can succeed in a world that's failing. And we have to think um, and act more, more globally when we're um, trying to figure out how to solve these problems. Climate change is not a problem of a, of a, of a country. It's a problem of of the world as is a pandemic and as are most problems uh, these days. And yeah, I'm getting on a plane uh, to Korea where I'm launching in the city of uh, Nanyangju uh, with the mayor of the city, a big event, thousands of people actually, uh, a lot of them be online, uh, to launch a metaverse for the city. Hmm. And 
I'm just learning more about it. I'm going to give an opening talk about what this is all about and how blockchain enables the metaverse because this thing is based on the metaverse. But the idea is that citizens are going to get all their government services and pay their taxes and so on in this metaverse environment. And, and over time, they'll fold in retail work and also learning uh, into this uh, environment. So go figure the Koreans would kind of be first up to do this in a real uh, major way. You've been doing some writing about this too, haven't you? Metaverse? Yeah, I have. Absolutely. It's going to appear in the new report, Digital Asset Revolution, which the Blockchain Research Institute is publishing in collaboration with Nine Point Partners, the firm uh, where I work. I've also been doing some thinking into this and some writing for our weekly newsletter as well. And one of the most interesting areas for me of this whole metaverse is actually uh, in an area that I think a lot of people understand innately, and that's video games. Um, you know, a lot of uh, early examples of virtual worlds and super immersive, you know, online environments actually come from the world of video games. And um, I've done some writing on this, just sort of thinking about, well, how does this factor into the kind, the kind of economy that we might have in the future? And I was reminded of that 1967 film, The Graduate, where um, the, the, the hero, Benjamin Braddock, is, uh, is cornered at a cocktail party by a family friend who gives him this career advice, which becomes sort of iconic in the, in the culture. He says, you know, one word, plastics. Um, and, you know, at the time that made sense. This was the height of the post-war industrial economy, plastics, other sort of physical things seem like a pretty safe bet, um, which incidentally is why our sort of counterculture hero rejects it in the film. Um, these days, you know, the established wisdom might be that you should get into Silicon Valley, go work for Facebook or Google, or that you should, you know, go to Wall Street to seek your fortune. Um, I think that frankly, that's as out of touch uh, to today's youth as the idea of um, you know, going into plastics was to your generation in the 1960s, like plastics, give me a break. Uh, and that's really because, you know, the, the frontier of growth and, and the most exciting areas um, in the economy today are not, you know, in San Francisco or, or New York or Toronto or any particular place. It's actually online in the metaverse, which is this super immersive shared online world that I think soon is going to be paired with hyper-realistic virtual reality and where blockchain allows us to you know, own our own digital goods, but also control our own uh, digital identity online. And as more and more people spend time online, a bigger share of wallet spend goes online, this is gonna become increasingly important. Um, so what kinds of jobs are going to exist in the metaverse? <laughs> um, well, for one, you, know, you could work for a DAO, a distributed autonomous organization that you know, is doing something interesting in crypto. Um, one other area, though, is this thing called play-to-earn video games. Um, so this is kind of like the big story of the past few months in the world of, of crypto. Uh, you may remember when I was growing up, um, you know, you'd come, <laughs> you may recall when I was younger, you would come into my uh, into the family room and say, you know, turn off the damn PlayStation and do your homework. <laughs> now, I think um, I think you were probably more enlightened than most parents. I think you probably saw that vi video games were part of digital technology that actually was going to be super important. But there was no career in playing video games, even, you know, no matter how enlightened you may have been as a parent. I don't think anybody realistically saw that as an outcome. Uh, but times have changed. And today there are millions of young people we're playing these play to earn games and uh, making money doing it. And, you know, one of the most interesting examples of this is this thing called Axie Infinity, which is basically, 
I mean, I've, I've tried it. It's not really for me, but it's an adventure style game where players use their, uh, these things called axes. They're basically like avatars to complete tasks and, and in the process earn crypto assets, which are super fungible. They're like money, right? So, you know, earning money in games is not new. There are lots of assets that, you know, people have earned in like World of Warcraft, but that was always contained to the virtual world. They were not like assets you could take with you. And that's what's really different about these new games. And they've really caught on. Like in the last 30 days, over two and a half million people have played Axie Infinity. Um, and it's really popular, particularly in countries like the Philippines, where you know young digital natives are seeing an opportunity to make a lot more money playing video games than doing just about anything else. Um, so much so that the Filipino government is actually uh, wants to tax uh, gain, uh, Axie rewards as income tax. They've actually like made a statement about that. That's how popular it is. Um, so I, I think that this is something I'd love to hear more. And I bet you our audience would on the back of your trip to Korea, because South Korea is a pioneer in video games. And um, they're, uh, the people in Korea, I think, uh, play video games more hours in the day than just about anybody else. So if anybody is going to figure out how to make it work, the intersection of of the metaverse and play to earn and, and you know, games, I think it's going to be somewhere like uh, in South Korea. Right. So I, I don't know. I think that, you know, it'd be really interesting to hear what uh, what folks have to say about that from your trip. Yeah, um, for sure. And it you've got video games in that whole stream. The other one is you had these actual sort of virtual worlds like Second Life. Yeah. And I remember giving lectures in Second Life um, and uh, wandering around doing all kinds of stuff. It was very innovative. Then it kind of petered off. But I think that this concept of these virtual worlds is getting a Second Life, if I may. Um, and that's largely, uh, largely because of blockchain. Because now in these worlds, you can have assets that are uh, can be protected um, through uh, NFTs. You can have a secure platform that can't be hacked. Um, you can have a, a currency that enables all this tra transactional activity to occur, an actual digital currency. And um, the theory, and uh, this is what I've heard about the implementation in Korea, is that citizens and players get to own their data. And what a radical idea that would be, because it means that your digital identity in the metaverse um, corresponds to your real identity and you get to own it, unlike uh, what it, what exists today. So, hmm. um, so it, it's, there's a real interesting sort of fork in the road here about how all this is going to go. On the one hand, you have Facebook and other large corporations that are going to create the virtual world that we will all live in. And on the other hand, you have all these initiatives that are <coughs> decentralized and where there's a network and where you're going to get to presumably uh, uh, keep your data. And this is a really, it's, this is like a turning point in human history, if you ask me. What will it mean for a corporation to own our data uh, of, as in, we increasingly participate in, in a virtual environment or in a metaverse. And we've talked about, well, you can't use data to plan your life. You can't monetize it. They're getting rich or not. You can't uh, aggregate the data for social uh, purposes. Uh, it, it means that uh, your privacy is uh, being undermined. But it's actually even more than that, because if we're going to spend more and more time in these virtual worlds, 
we don't know what the underlying algorithms and rules are if they're created by a corporation and if there's opacity. So let me give you an example. I think I might use this in Korea. See this? That's a pen. It's too bad we don't have a user poll. I'm going to let go of this pen. I'm going to open up my fingers and we could ask people, what's going to happen to the pen? Is it going to go up, down, sideways, or is it going to spin around in a corkscrew shape? If I just drop, if I just open my fingers. Hmm. Okay. Well, most people would vote for it's going to fall and it did because in the physical world, we understand rules. That one, that one's called gravity, right? Hmm. But virtual worlds, there are all these underlying rules and algorithms that are not transparent. So, you know, I noticed way back that I'd post something on Facebook with a URL and I didn't get a lot of likes. Well, is there some kind of algorithm in Facebook that if you're posting something that's going to take you off Facebook, they're not going to promote it as much? Yeah, well, that's true for sure. Yeah. So, um, so this is a really <laughs> kind of big, it, it, it's, it's, it's a, not, not just a strategic issue. It's, it's almost a, a social and, and a moral issue about how all of this is going to get done. Um, anyway, exciting times. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I wonder, you know, on that question of rules, it's not certainly a, a closed system or, you know, a monopoly platform like Facebook is going to have its own rules um, and that may not be totally transparent. What exactly do the rules of the road for the decentralized metaverse? You know, is that is something that everyone needs to agree upon? Do you change rules when you jump from, you know, environment to environment? You know, there's so much that is left to be yeah. um understood or not even understood like to to be developed really because this is all like pretty early stage and pretty experimental you know we're talking about the metaverse but if you look at mark zuckerberg's demonstrations of vr it's pretty crappy i'm not gonna lie like i wouldn't want to spend a lot of time in that environment so <laughs> i think we've got a ways to go on on the physical hardware component i think probably the 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 mechanics of like the blockchain metaverse that you know We've got a medium for value where we can own digital goods, take them with us. We can, you know, interact between environments. We can jump from place to place. That's actually fairly well developed. Um, it's still early, but there, that's like clearly there. Um, there's a there there. Whereas, you know, the actual like, well, I actually want to put on a headset and spend time online. Uh, I think it's probably the bigger implementation challenge at this point. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting thing. Like to what extent should the citizens of a metaverse participate democratically in its creation and in the creation of the rules. So why wouldn't you have the equivalence of a governance token, uh, which by the way, you explained well, thank you, uh, in this new paper. I'm gonna put a picture of it in a second because it's going out tomorrow or today, um, will be made public. But um, you know, where, where all these little, uh, uh, where basically you have a token that enables you to vote or to influence the creation of certain things and figure out how resources are allocated and what the rules are and how uh, money is spent and, and so on. You well, a great example of that is, you know, like a lot of um, play to earn games are DAOs. DAOs have governance tokens like Axie Infinity. The thing I was talking about has, it has the, the in-game Axie, which is like the avatar, but it also separately has a governance token. And so, you know, that's the thing that people are earning in the game. And that's the thing that gives them sort of say over the outcome of how the, how the environment functions. Now, that sounds awfully, you know, wonderful and utopian. 
But the reality is that DAOs suffer from many of the same governance challenges as lots of other organizations. There's a lot of voter apathy. There's uh, information asymmetries where, you know, people on the inside know a lot more about those on the outside. There's collusion, um, groups that, you know, control large amounts of the system working together, um, blah, blah, blah. So like all the things that it's sort of interesting to watch um, people, crypto native people discover or rediscover um, many sort of <laughs> problems that have been endemic in human systems for like millenniums, right? So it's not, this is not a new thing, the idea that there's voter apathy or that, you know, there's collusion or that people with vested interests, you know, work together to, you know, control the outcome of things. Like this is like the way the world works, but, you know, it's just sort of interesting. Well, it is. And um, one of one of the set, uh, countries I did was um, uh, Austria. I was speaking in Vienna at the Drucker Forum. You know, and Peter Drucker created this whole concept of management of a modern corporation, but it assumed a lot of things. <laughs> it, assumed, it assumed a centralized model of the firm. Power was at the top, uh, where there's a hierarchy, where things are vertically integrated, where you had all these, you know, systems and processes and and so on. And this has developed up o o over a century. It's called modern management and governance. And as we move towards these decentralized models, we're really going to have to reinvent management as it's known. So, I mean, you don't have to deal with, with the issue of governance apathy, you know, in a traditional corporation because the people at the top make the decisions. And there are all kinds of problems, moral hazard and, and all the rest that exist. Um, so, I mean, why we have a second here. Why don't we just take apathy? I know that you've done some work on prediction markets as a way of, you know, engaging people in the governance of a, of a decentralized model. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's something that, you know, it's, it's something that there's a, there's a project called the SX network and the co-host of another show that I co-host called DeFi decoded is the developer of that. And, you know, prediction markets today are used mostly for um, basically wagering on the outcome of future events, right? You know, you make a prediction that, um, you know, a certain sporting event is going to go a certain way or a political event or, you know, a financial asset is going to go up or down, like that kind of stuff. But um, there's really interesting potential for prediction markets to play a role in governance by basically providing for like an economic incentive to participate. Um, and an economic penalty for not participating, which would be the other thing, right? So, you know, I think it's something that it's too, well, okay, so the way that that um, it would work in practice, basically, is that, you know, you would have a vote for something, but you'd also like place a like a wager on it, or you would be incentivized, you know, by voting, if you voted for it, you might get an, a distribution of a governance token or something, basically just creating like an economic reason to participate in any given election which would increase the overall um, health of the system, presumably. So we'll see how that works in practice. Um, it's a very clever idea, but again, lots of people come up with clever ideas, but you need individuals to actually endorse and use it, right? So it's something that today is still uh, early stage, but very promising nonetheless. Well, and the whole idea of finding economic incentives to engage people in creating value and governing 
uh, governing things and so on is really important. Like climate change, obviously, is a big one. Um, where we're tokenizing carbon credits create a much more liquid market for that. But also where you know manufacturers can make their their products carbon neutral and then bundle in these supercharged uh, tokens that represent a credit um, to provide economic incentives for people to do the thing that's uh, green. Um, on, on this uh, speaking tour, I met a company, it's actually based in Vienna called Global Rockstars, where they're uh, tokenizing a song. And uh, on that platform, as a performer, as a, a creator of a song or a, an artist, you put the song up there and, um, and you get most of the royalties, unlike the traditional labels. But also the lovers of music uh, can invest in your song. They can essentially buy a token that represents an interest in that song. And, and that uh, token can be used to promote the song. And if the song goes to the moon, you as a music listener, <laughs> listeners are one way thing, right? I'm a passive listener. All of then you're an active investor in the song. And uh, one of the first ones they did had a 700% return for people who invested in that song. So this is kind of going back to Wiccanomics, really. It's moving away from this world where, you know, somebody in power has information and knowledge and they push it out to passive recipients. You know, I'm a, I'm a teacher. I push out information to passive students. I'm a, you know, I'm a physician. I, um, I acknowledge you don't. I'm going to push out a diagnosis to you and, and please don't get involved in collaborating with others on your own health care because the Internet's um, uh, full of uh, uh, garbage. You know, I, I'm a, I create products. I create services. I, I push them out to others. I'm a politician. You vote. I rule. I you know, push out stuff to you. Well, the promise here maybe is finally this sort of age of engagement where people can get involved. They can co-create value. And for sure, there's a dark side to all of this, but there's a pretty exciting upside as well. Absolutely. It's so interesting. Like I keep finding similarities in, well, not similarities, like ways in which blockchain addresses many things that you've been writing about for a long time that may be, you know, ideas whose time have finally come because there's this technology that enables it. Um, you know, like a DAO is, it's so interesting, like you think about the concepts of Wikonomics, of mass collaboration, creating, you know, uh, um, resources, global resources of significance, um, and how DAOs could be a solution to scale that in many different ways, um, you know, as a way to create shared resources where everybody can have a participatory stake in that, right? Um, it's just sort of interesting. Maybe we should unpack that on the next episode. Sounds great. Um, speaking of which, I think our time is coming to an end. This is the last episode of What's on Tap for this year. Uh, for those of you who are on video, I'm putting up a picture of this report. Uh, Alex, I got to say, this is a thing of beauty. Um, it's it's easily the most profound document that I've read about the transformation of financial services. Services. And it explains DeFi, it explains the web, and um, it does a wonderful thing. It develops a language and a taxonomy for talking about this stuff, which is always a huge challenge when you have something new. Yeah. On the windshield, basically. And if you can start to um, 
to categorize and explain that these things are actually different. They're part of a whole and show how they integrate together. That's a huge contribution. At the uh, Blockchain Research Institute, we've decided that we're going to release this report to the public. Um, and it comes out today. And uh, so, and it's free. It's on blockchainresearchinstitute.org. And you can get a copy of this uh, report called the Digital Asset Revolution. It's a very significant document. Uh, did you want to say anything about the report, Alex? Only that I think it's something that people who are crypto native and deeply engaged in this space will find really valuable. And I also think people who are new to it will understand as well. And that to me is always the objective, which is to reach as big an audience as possible with this. Um, and I would also say that, you know, it's always a work in progress. One of the things we developed for this report was um, a new taxonomy for digital assets. The taxonomy itself is not new. We've actually been working on that for years and first published a version of it in the first uh, in the second edition of blockchain revolution but as an industry like this matures new things uh emerge and come to light and so we had to take another crack at it so i think people will really enjoy this i think especially people working in the financial services industry investors who are trying to understand um how all this stuff works and everybody who has a an interest in you know what this what the world is going to look like in in the future um so i think that's just about everyone so i'm now going to uh, read off a list of seven digital assets we'll start with bitcoin and i would like you to tell us the price that it's going to go to ha 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 very funny <laughs> <laughs> well, you may remember this funny incident where we, we always get asked this over the years we say look we don't do price predictions uh, investment advice or any of that stuff but right. one time we we deviated from that was that the book had come out i think bitcoin was trading i don't know about 500 bucks or something and and uh coin uh coindesk uh, said we we want to know what is your view on where bitcoin will go to so we said okay well, let's just shake things up we said in the year 2018 Bitcoin will go to $2,000. The year 2017, it would go to $2,000. Yeah, we said that. And um, <laughs> in 2018, it almost went back down to $2,000. <laughs> but it went up to 20000 like yeah. two months. And uh, so <laughs> go figure. This is the only space in the world where you make a radical prediction that something's going to go way up. And you're totally wrong because it goes up by an order of magnitude. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, it's sure going to be an in interesting um, uh, 2022. Big things going on in the world, and this um, this blockchain revolution continues inexorably. Metaverse, DeFi, digital assets, um, uh, NFTs—all of these um, big ideas that. Luckily, or thankfully, we kind of um, uh, were, were dug into back in 2016 are, are unfolding. So it's good to, um, it's, a, it's an amazing time to be alive. It's going to be a lot of conflict over the next year uh, with traditional uh, institutions and regulatory bodies, either trying to embrace this or fight it. And, uh, uh, you know, the old Chinese proverb, may you live in interesting times. We certainly are. Yeah. Um, when you go um, 
readers, lovers, listeners, uh, viewers of uh, What's on Tap. When you go to blockchainresearchinstitute.org to get the report, you will notice it's a completely new website. We've spent six months of rebuilding this thing to make it easily, all the, the know-how in there easily accessible to large numbers of people. So we're it, it is our hope that this will be an important contribution to bringing clarity to the market and helping helping bridge the gap between the potential of this technology and its uh, actual use. So uh, Alex, looking forward to the next year. Yes, Everybody safe travels. <laughs> Thanks for watching, 26 episodes, and uh, they keep getting bigger every, every uh, time. So we'll see you next year, take care.